5: Welcome into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He is Amal Shaw. In about 45 minutes, we're going to have Darren Banks, former Boston Bruin NHL player, on the program to talk about Knights, VGK, and all things Lord Stanley. But first, breaking news this morning. three, Really three stories, Amal. First, Joel Embiid has a small tear in the meniscus. He's going to miss Game 5 tonight.
6: Yeah, it's a big blow for Philadelphia. But, you know, as I said yesterday, I think if you're Philadelphia, you look to put him on the shelf, get him healthy, I think they can navigate Washington winning one out of three games and navigate through New York or Atlanta, regardless of if they have Joel Embiid in the lineup.
5: I have a friend that has a big futures ticket on the Sixers. He's concerned they don't get out of this series without Embiid. Well, you, uh, this is a this is a serious question. Yeah, okay. Is it possible? You, right,
6: you should terminate that friendship because they don't know anything about basketball. You should never discuss basketball with that person again. Okay, thank you. You, you think they can't beat?
5: I think this, they win tonight.
6: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you can't beat...
5: You have Harris, you got uh, Ben Simmons, you're fine. I said they'd still be a seven point. They're 6.5. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not interested well, well, in playing. Well, since
6: he's not playing tonight. I'm assuming he fired on the Wizards' money line today, <laughs> no, right?
5: No, no. Well, just to hedge the series. You bet the series no, just, bet I'm, the, I'm just asking. Wizards.
6: Just straight bet. Go bet this I, team. No,
5: I think, I think he's going to take his chances. And I would be very surprised if the Wizards won this game in Philadelphia at the Spectrum. Are they playing at the Spectrum?
6: <laughs> I <laughs> wish. Uh, we'd have Mo Cheeks out there guarding. Anyway, I, I think when you look at Philadelphia – I think they're going to be tough in this situation. I, I don't know if there's a team where the postseason lined up better than for the Philadelphia 76ers. You play Washington, who was fighting for the last 20 games to get in. Uh, they've, had to, they've been taxed. Russell Westbrook's been dealing with an ankle injury. They've got an opportunity to close them out. You've got two chances at home, game five, game seven, if necessary. And then you're looking at facing the Knicks or Atlanta. We, both of these teams are very manageable. They should be able to get through them. And then you would have to play the winner of Brooklyn and, of course, Milwaukee. I, th- I think they're in
5: great shape. And what you would think would be a six or seven game series on the other side between the Bucks and the Nets. All right, let's take a look at the next story, all. Um... Big news out of Boston is that Danny Ainge is stepping down there uh, as a general manager. Brad Stevens is going to move up to the front office. He won't be on the sidelines anymore.
6: Well, it's going to be interesting because Danny Ainge has missed on a lot of draft picks. And we'll see if Brad Stevens is able to do the job as he moves into the front office role after stepping away from coaching the team for eight years. I had no idea he was there for eight years. Uh, Got to three conference finals. Um, You could argue in certain instances they underachieved a little bit just with the East being so weak overall. But uh, we'll see how he does in terms of being in the front office uh, with the Boston Celtics.
5: What qualifies him for the front office?
6: Well, I'll tell you right now, I don't know if anybody's ever qualified for the front office, unless your name is, except Sam Presti and R.C. Buford. But, I mean, there's nothing really, I mean, you know, I think a coach actually makes a good fit, though, because they have an understanding of what type of pieces you want to put in place. Now,
5: I think they'll look to draft somebody over 6'5". But is is this move a more about the fact that they just extended him and they're going to have to pay him for three years, so why not use him in some capacity? Yeah, I
6: think so. I I think absolutely. When you look at it for Boston, look, unless you're, so In the ba- in basketball, in the top three, five picks, really it picks itself. But when you get outside of there, that's really where the quality of scouting and uh, front office comes into play. And we'll see if they can make the right decisions as they continue to move forward.
5: And then big news out of the college basketball world, Mike Krzyzewski stepping down after this coming season. He's going to coach one more year. He's leading a committee that will uh, uh, find his replacement. Early rumors that were John Shire would be announced, that doesn't seem to be the case right now.
6: Yeah, John Shire, who still sits on his bench, where played for Coach K at Duke. A couple other names I'm sure will be out there. But uh, to me, if if I'm looking at it from a Duke perspective, excuse me, I think it's going to be extremely difficult. You know, this is kind of like uh, UCLA replacing Coach Wooden. You don't want to be the guy that follows the legend. Uh, We'll see what happens, though, in terms of Duke.
5: It's an interesting turn because within uh, the course of two seasons, you're going to you're going to turn over Roy Williams at North Carolina and then Mike Shashevsky at Duke. So um, the ACC maybe opens up for a few of these other teams. I know Virginia's really done well under the, Tony Bennett. The uh, best
6: coach in the ACC
5: resides in Charlottesville and has for the better part of
6: half a decade.
5: Uh, thoughts about and a name you mentioned to me off air, Mike bray would they consider bringing mike bray back I,
6: I don't think they will simply because he has a one enough from a national perspective but i actually think mike bray is a terrific coach when you look at the academic standards which duke and notre dame are on par uh and he just doesn't get that they're at a football program it's a smaller school just like duke but mike bray has done a tremendous job when you look at the talent or lack thereof that they've been able to bring in there
5: let me pose it the other way would mike bray want to leave notre dame to go to duke you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't
6: know enough about Mike Bray in terms of if he's content being in South Bend or would he want to go to Durham. A lot of question marks there. Once you've been established somewhere for so long, I think you're generally more likely to stay put in that particular spot instead of moving on to somewhere else.
5: This is The Nuts. i Mike Palm. He's a mall Shaw. 40 minutes from now, we'll have Darren Banks, former NHL player, of course, now an executive host here at Circa the D and Golden Gate, on to talk about the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. What a game last night in Denver, Amal. I mean, I wasn't watching the game. I was watching the Lakers game because I had a play on on the Suns. Uh, I was looking at my phone up 20 early. Denver, I mean, they were running them out of the gym. All of a sudden, I look, and and Portland's leading uh, in the second half. And then then I started to pay attention. And and two epic finishes in both regulation and in overtime. Dame hits the threes to, to propel it, but still not enough. The Nuggets prevail and go up 3-2.
6: You could have gotten some great in-game numbers on the Portland Trailblazers in this game. I talked about it yesterday. Don't <laughs> bet this game before it starts. Wait, and you're going to have a great opportunity. Took Portland later on uh, as they were trailing at the end of the first quarter. Uh, to me, Damian Lillard, I'll I tell you what, I have so much respect for him simply because This is a guy who comes out of Weber State. You know, A lot of people didn't know what he was going to be. Goes to Portland. Has never played with another All-Star. Has just been spectacular. He goes for 55, Mike, on 24 shots. Think about how ridiculous that is. He hits a tying three-pointer. Hits another tying three-pointer that was even more difficult on a turnaround three-point shot. He's just unbelievable. But give Michael Porter Jr. credit in the Denver Nuggets. uh, Jokic goes for 38, but Porter Jr. hit the big three-point shot. Win a tie game with about a buck and a half to go. That put them up three, and that was the one that catapulted them over the top. And then one other thing, Carmelo Anthony never met a pass he liked in his entire career. And I'll tell you what, this marshmallow decides he's going to pass the ball when he's got a layup to the basket to Norman Powell for an off-balance three-point shot. If he attacks, he's got a layup. He had a path to the basket. Instead, the one time in his career he wants to pass it is the most inopportune time.
5: Lillard scored all but two of their points in the two overtimes. The rest of the team, one of 19 in both overtimes from the field.
6: Yeah, You know, I think sometimes what happens is when you have a player as talented as Damian Lillard, you get caught watching, and you become a little bit disengaged offensively. When they got the ball twice in late-game situations, you know the ball was going to Lillard, and you just kind of, like everyone else, you become a spectator, it almost seems like. He goes one-on-one, he creates, and he makes a shot. Tremendous step-back jump shot that he has. And by the way, how about Austin Rivers in a tie game coming down, hoisting the last shot? I don't know if Austin Rivers is the guy I'm looking for taking the final shot. And I love the fact that this genius decides to hoist up a three-point shot. I don't know what they taught at Duke or what they taught at the Orlando Public Schools or wherever he went to school in Florida. But you know, if you win by two or you win by three, you still win. But instead, he decides to hoist up a 27-footer.
5: I'll never forget second round of the 1989-90 NCAA tournament. Carolina was an Mm eight-seed. Uh, Oklahoma was the overall number one seed. They're playing the game in Austin. Billy Tubbs? Yeah, against Billy Tubbs. This was Dean Smith's <clears throat> worst regular season of his last 30, and they were they were an eight seed. But they had the ball with six seconds left uh, in a tie game, and it was uh, King Rice backdoor to Rick Fox for the layup to win the game. And, they, and Billy Packer asked Dean Smith after the game, what was the play? And he said, I told him, not only do we not need three, we don't need two. We need one. We're going to the hole. That's I mean,
6: great. It's great coaching.
5: You said yesterday on the show, I said, are you going to bet this game them all? Or are you looking at the side? You said, I hope one team gets off to a 10-point lead. Well, it was 10 to nothing right off the bat. You had your opportunity. Yeah, absolutely.
6: <laughs> that's the thing. I, you watch in these games, I thought the two-point line was low. I thought it was a tough call. You could sit there and say Denver's the correct side because they. it felt like they were in control throughout the entirety of the game. But it still took double overtime. They could have lost that game just as easily as they wanted. But if you wait on these games, you get 10.5, 11.5. You get these big numbers in play, great opportunities out there, and that's what you got to seize on.
5: Let's talk about the decision not to foul both at the end of regulation at the end of the first overtime. Why do you allow Lillard to, to get the jump shot off to tie the game? You know, I can't speak for stupid people.
6: Mm-hmm. I I, mean, I don't understand that. You've got, the, you've got the preeminent closer in the game. What are you doing? I mean, it makes zero <laughs> sense. I am literally sitting there going, you know what? It's great. I'm watching this game. I, I don't want it to go to another overtime. And I'm sitting there going, how could you not foul this guy? Oh, Oh! great shot. Just another heroic shot by Damian Lillard. Well, what we need to see him have, 55 on 24 shots. He was just out of his mind, and you still choose not to foul.
5: We had Eddie Johnson on the program yesterday. We talked to him about that big game in Phoenix last night, and without AD, the need for Phoenix to, to maintain home court and take control again in this series. It was really a listless performance by the LeBron James-led Lakers. This game was a 30 point margin and really just stayed on 30 the entire second half.
6: Well, you know, I disagree with you a little bit. They were down 30 at the break. LeBron mm-hmm. scored 17 in the third quarter. They cut it to 29 by the end of 3. It's a tremendous effort.
5: That will be part of the uh, the storyline for the LeBron James <laughs> GOAT crowd. The uh, you know, to me
6: it's, it's one thing with this team. They've they've got to uh they've got to do a better job defensively. And then offensively they really struggled in the second quarter. That was the problem there. But I think look Forget this game. It doesn't matter if you lose by a million. Remember, uh, I know our producer, Jake, will remember the 85. No, he won't because he wasn't alive. But the, the, the Celtics massacred the Lakers. I think they beat them by 42 points or something mm-hmm. like, like that. Lakers go on and win that series in six games. Lakers have a great chance. I think they're going to win game number six at home. The question is, do they get Anthony Davis back in the lineup or not? And then we'll have a game seven in Phoenix. And if the Suns play the way they did, especially Payne in the first half, first quarter, he got off to a fast start. Really did a tremendous job with 10 quick points in if four the, minutes.
5: If the Lakers are able to force the Game 7 of them all, you have that plus 350 ticket on the Lakers to win the title, and they do not get AD back for Game 7. Is that the point you have to hedge on Phoenix?
6: No, I'm going to take Phoenix right now to win the series because uh, Lakers are going to be in a situation where uh, I, I think they, they it's going to be tough for them to come out of this series. Now, I think they've got a great chance, but I still think it's one where you take a look at them because of the fact that it, they've got to win the game in Phoenix. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. All
5: right, so the series price right now is minus two ninety five. Oh, it's that high? I, didn't realize. I thought yeah. it was going to be about $2. Okay, yeah. no, I'm not going to take it then at that two ninety five.
6: I didn't realize they were pushing $3. Yeah.
5: Okay, um, let's talk about the NBA tonight. We have uh, four games, a loaded card uh, for all of our NBA fans that, out there that just love this sport. We touched on it briefly. Uh, no Joel Embiid tonight in Game 5. 76ers, a 6.5-point favorite against the Wizards. Total two twenty nine and a half, and boy, most of these NBA playoff games are flying over at an alarming rate. Any interest in touching this number at all? Any interest in including maybe the Sixers on a money li- in the money line parlay at a shorter price than they have been in the series without Embiid?
6: I'm not going to touch this game at all. I don't even probably have an interest in the end game unless I see something really standing out to me uh, from a betting perspective on this one. The only thing I was considering maybe the total over because without Embiid in there, I think we could see a little bit more of an outside type of game. Uh, I think this is an opportunity for Philly here if they're struggling a little bit just to kind of figure out a way to rely on the guys that you have and come back in this game. I still like their chances to win this one at home, but I, I'm not going to touch this game. By the way, the over in the Denver game yesterday, only
5: 287 points. <laughs> yeah, but it got lucky to get there. I mean, the, the game could have been it could have been an under if it doesn't get to over. Well, that's why sometimes yeah. you shouldn't watch the game. Just look at the yeah. final score. <laughs> and cash your ticket. Yeah. Second game tonight goes at 730 Eastern, 430 Pacific uh, game five, back to Madison Square Garden, the Hawks versus the Knicks. Knicks trailing, now three to one in this series. Need to, to win tonight to force to go back to Atlanta and a chance to steal and force the game seven. This game opened one and a half. It's down to one uh, at DraftKings here, minus one seventeen on the money line. Uh, if you like, uh, if you like the Hawks, you can get almost at even money, minus one oh three, or take a point and lay one oh nine. Total here two oh eight. You think the Knicks extend the series tonight, all
6: I really do. I think the uh, the Knicks win this game. I can't figure out if I'm saying that because I picked the Knicks before the series or it's tough, you know, on the road to close someone out. I, I think it's going to be a challenge from that perspective. I expect to see a good effort out of the Knicks tonight. Uh, you know, look, if you're in New York, you've got to do one thing. Obviously, you've got to win game five. But just figure out a way to be competitive and steal game six. You get back to the Garden, then they're going to be asking, Willis Reed, can you give us just a couple of minutes tonight, big fella?
5: You already have the bet here on the Knicks, so you're just going to stand pat and hope they extend the series.
6: Yeah, I really wanted to take the Knicks. I like this game as a mm-hmm. separate bet, but... Uh, I don't want to go down in flames twice if the Knicks lose today.
5: The third game tonight sees the Memphis Grizzlies travel to Utah to play the Jazz. Jazz are a nine-and-a-half point favorite here in this game with a total of 226 and a half chance to close out for Utah here in game five.
6: The old Vince Carter line from the dunk contest, it's over. This, this one is not going back to Memphis. Utah is going to close out. If you're the Jazz, think about this. Lakers are looking great at up two games to one in their series. They're probably going to be a five-game series. Now they're fighting for their life. The Clippers are down 0-2. Now all of a sudden it's going to go six games. You look at the other series there, Denver and Portland. Even if it only closes out in six games, it still feels like it's been a seven-game series. Utah has a chance to end this thing in five. Great opportunity tonight. Uh, the nine and a half's a, a tricky number. I'm not going to touch that because I'm not sure when a team's getting closed out, it's always tough. Your season's on the line. I think Memphis will play hard. But I like this Utah team. They're solid. I, I don't think they're a great team. I think they're a very, very good team. And at home, they've been terrific this year. I think it's a good opportunity for them to win this game.
5: Uh, $5 on the money line. Any interest in putting that in a parlay?
6: Yeah, I mean, look, if you, if you put some parlays together, you make some bets there, I think it's not a bad play. I think they win the game.
5: Would you use Utah on the money line with your French Open ladies?
6: Uh, yes, I, I, I would because uh, some of the plays in particular, <laughs> I, I think there's a great opportunity. That's actually not a bad call at all.
5: All right, and then the final game tonight, obviously very important, uh, uh, very important to me because I have that ticket, Clippers, to make the finals with the 76ers. Game five, uh, we haven't seen a home team uh, win yet in this series. Mavericks win the first two in L.A. Clippers win the next two in Dallas. Number comes back a little more than games one and two. Now seven and a half on the Clippers with a total of 217 here, Amal.
6: Yeah, this is, wow, this is a big number, yeah. seven and a half. I'll tell you what, I think this is the game the Clippers win at home. I think, the, uh, you know, you talked about that parlay with those two teams, with Utah and the Clippers here. This could be one if you throw it in somewhere else. I'm just kind of trying to figure out the math on this one real quick. You have the Clippers at minus three thirty-five, and then, of course, uh, the Jazz at $5. So I think those are two that you can throw into some things. I, I think we we'll are finally have a team at home win, this game, uh, win a game in this series, and this is going to be the one.
5: I looked at when, we were put, when I was putting the playbook together uh, early this morning a, a three-team um, NBA Moneyline Parlay with the Sixers, Jazz, and Clippers. And then I decided against it because I, I wanted to see this game play and I, more of an in-game opportunity with the Clippers as they have played so poorly at home in the first two games. And I wanted to see how they would come out and defend the threes especially. 217 here is a total. Uh, I can't play it under. Um, I would lean over, but nothing pregame for me here in this spot.
6: Yeah, I'm not going to touch this one, just except from the money line on the side with the Clippers, potentially with the you look at with the Jazz. Mike, you lay 100, you get back 55. I don't think those are two bad plays. I get if people are not thrilled about taking the Clippers based on their previous performance at home. But to me, there was something in this team that turned around mid-first quarter of game number three, they rallied down 15 in that first quarter. Dominate what really appears to be the last seven quarter against the Mavericks. Now can they continue it in the home stretch?
5: I find it interesting that the Clippers are 335 here at home in this game, but almost $4 for the series.
6: Well, because I, I think when you look at Dallas' home record, it doesn't come as a surprise. And if you look at it realistically, if I said to you, based on the way this series has played out, don't you think the Clippers have a great chance at this point?
5: I do. Yeah, I, mean, I, I really do. And when and, and we talked about that at length, Dallas being a 500 team all year at home.
6: Yeah. And we saw it play out that way. And we saw a focus Clippers team come into Dallas and take care of business.
5: All right. One of the more popular segments on this show, at least what our listeners and, and viewers are telling us, is this behind the bet segment. And sometimes I'm all I think we should just bet our behind the bets because we do a little bit more more research and solid reasoning into. Uh, why this may be our key play for the day. So I want to start out with you, and you're behind the bets. I'm
6: going to go with the Colorado Avalanche one more time. They're at home minus 180 in this game against VGK tonight. I know a lot of people like this Knights team, but now you're already seeing Colorado up to minus 190. Uh, To me, you look at Colorado, Mike, in the playoffs so far, in five games, they've scored at least four goals. They've won 10 in a row, including the last five in the regular season and last five in the postseason. Think about that, how well they're playing. And here's the great stat to me. They've only given up 14 goals in those 10 games in the postseason. They've outscored their opponents 27 to 8. I mean, I think about how dominant they are. They're outscoring their opponents by a 3 to 1 margin
5: so far in these playoffs. They've covered every game on the puck line. Yeah, there's. No one has been able to slow them down as of yet. No, they've been unbelievable. What would you make this number if, if, if you were running a sportsbook? Is this the appropriate number in this game? I, I think it is because you can't discount Vegas' talent.
6: This is an important game. It's not just about winning this game for Vegas. They've got to show some fight. I mean, that one looked like a, a matchup of a heavyweight versus a welterweight in there. I mean, it was just an absolute mismatch. We'll see what happens now when they have an opportunity to really bounce back here.
5: In the regular season this year, Maul, the Knights were much more competitive with Colorado, and basically every game was close. Last year, Colorado boat raced them a couple times. One was on a holiday here. I think they beat them 6-1. to one. Was uh, that on Nevada Day? Yeah, it, it was Nevada Day, yeah. correct. I think they beat them 6-1 to one, uh, here at T-Mobile and, and blew them out in Colorado as well. Uh, they've been more competitive, but obviously it was a bad spot for the Knights in Game 1. To, to the point of that number, you can't make the Knights too high because the action will become also one-sided here, right? I mean... you. If, if you made Colorado, I think, if you made Colorado $2 in this game, you'd take nothing but Knight's money here. And I, I don't think the sharp money wants to lay $2 in this spot either. So you'd become very unbalanced and really, really need the the avalanche in this spot.
6: I, I hear everything you're saying, but I think that's one of the advantages of sports like uh, hockey, uh, t- uh, tennis, where you just have to win, even baseball. Sometimes where you see a scenario, uh, baseball, you're obviously your momentum is as good as that day's starting pitcher. But in hockey, to me, when you have a team... It just has a decided advantage when you look at it. I, there were so many sequences where I looked at it and said, Vegas just doesn't have the speed to contain this team. I mean, they are just faster, quicker to lose pucks. They're so dangerous. And Mike, their ability to go from
5: offense to defense, defense to offense so quickly is unbelievable. You think the way to bet this series of all is individual games, or we talked yesterday about exact game series price, where you can get the Avalanche at plus three dollars in a sweep, close to that plus three twenty-five uh, to win in five.
6: Yeah, I, I think to me, I, I would probably be more likely to play it game by game because I don't like the scenario where uh, they have to win a certain number of games. You know, I still want to see how Vegas responds when they come back to T-Mobile Arena. Uh, it could be a different scenario. I mean, how many times have you seen – I always go. there's one series in the NBA I go back to. I think it was 2014. Uh, Oklahoma City's down 0-2 against the Spurs. I mean, everybody in San Antonio and Bexar County's planning their trip to Miami. Where are they going to be staying? Oklahoma City wins four in a row. It's over. And, I mean, they were just a different team after they got back to OKC. And I think this could be a scenario here with Vegas. Do they come back home? They can flip the switch. I don't know. We're we're acting like tonight's game is already a foregone conclusion. I love Colorado in this spot. I think they're going to win this game. But that doesn't mean Vegas isn't capable. This is not some team that's at the bottom tier of the National Hockey League or they have San Jose Sharks defense.
5: Okay, for my behind the bets, I'm going to go to the other game that's on the ice tonight. That's the first game of the series between the Montreal Canadiens and the Winnipeg Jets. This game will be played in Winnipeg. I'm going to take the first period under one and a half, and I'm going to lay 30 cents here. You know, I I was surprised. I didn't even know from watching that series how few goals were scored in the first period between the Maple Leafs and the Canadiens. Carey Price gave up one first period goal in seven games of them all. And by the way, Montreal only scored four. So five first period goals in seven games, and one game had two goals. Six of the seven went under, only three goals in those other six games. So they've been very solid defensively. Of course, that was their game plan coming in as a big underdog to try to keep these games close. And counter Hellebuck wasn't bad either for Edmonton. He only gave up three first-period goals in those four games against the Oilers with that tough top line.
6: Yeah, they've done a tremendous job now. Can they continue to do it? I think Winnipeg has an edge here. Remember, this is a similar situation we saw with Vegas going up against uh, the uh Help me out, Colorado.
5: Thank you. I, uh, I'm i interested to ask Darren Banks his thoughts on this series. as It's close to a pick, and you said you'd like the, the Canadians in this spot, correct? I do, correct? yes. All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at the first-ever Lou Gehrig Day in baseball in the card that's on the schedule tonight.
1: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast.
5: Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amol Shaw. Well, Amol, it's the first ever Lou Gehrig Day in baseball. And ironically, the first two games were postponed. We do have a, a game underway at uh, Wrigley Field with the Padres hitting in the top of the first against the Cubs. I want to take a look at uh, some of the better pitching matchups tonight uh, and interesting games in the league. Let's start uh, in Buffalo with the Marlins uh, and the Blue Jays. Robbie Ray pitched great last night in that matchup of... uh I thought you were going to say Dominic Hoshik on the mound. No, no. No. <laughs> In the matchup with Alcantara last night, and the Blue Jays were victorious. Now, a promising young pitcher takes the mound. Alec Manoa, who was great in his first start and got the win, went six innings. Uh, went six innings. It, it didn't give up any earned runs. Uh, two walks and two hits in those six against seven strikeouts against Pablo Lopez for the Marlins, who's one and three, but the ERA has been good. Two seven one 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 three whip. Fifty nine strikeouts against eighteen walks. Manoa in his second start installed as a, a one sixty five favorite. Uh, I got him earlier in the day at about 158, and then a total here in Buffalo of 8.
6: Yeah, uh, I'm not going to play this game because I want to see what Manoa can do. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned, you know, the one challenge for Alcantara and Lopez is this. They almost feel like they have to be perfect because there's such a lack of offense for the Marlins. I think they're probably actually better than their numbers even indicate because they're pitching under such duress. Uh, This Toronto offense is far superior to what the Marlins are going to throw out there. I can see why you took uh, Toronto in this game.
5: Let's move on. Uh, A game in the NL East in Atlanta between the Nats and the Braves. John Lester going uh, for the Nats against one of my favorite fades, Drew Smiley for the Braves. Lester has not been great this year, of course. Was on the disabled list earlier. He's 0-2 of the ERA, close to 5. Only 29 and a third innings have worked. 22 strikeouts against 10 walks and 4 home runs. Smiley. Two and three, ERA almost six, 42 and a third, 37 strikeouts, 14 walks, 13 home runs. He's given up Drew Smiley. I've been talking about since he went to Texas with that lollipop curveball. Is it justified here, Smiley, $1.57 at home?
6: Well, I think the Atlanta's the better team, right? When you look at it offensively. And on the flip side, yeah, I know you don't like Smiley, but let's take a look at John Lester's numbers real quick. And it's not just this year. He's 491 ERA this year, 516 last year, 446 the previous year. I was a huge John Lester fan when the Cubs acquired him. I thought it was a great move by Epstein. He's just not the same pitcher he once was. I mean, Father Time is still undefeated, and when you look at it, I think that's the problem right now with Lester. I don't think this is a bad price on the Braves, but I would look towards the run line here at plus-123. You've got a total of 10, Mike. It's telling you there's going to be some runs in this ball game. I think it's a good opportunity to take Atlanta at a plus price at home with that offense.
5: You don't see many 10s outside of Coors in today's baseball no. game, so that tells you what the, how these pitchers have been performing as of late. Red Sox plays the Astros. Astros again victorious last night. I'm telling you, this, this team is coming together and they're scoring runs. It's Nick Pavetta going tonight for the Sox. Pavetta, Amal, yet to taste defeat as a Red Sox. He's 6 0. is 386. Obviously, they've been giving him some good run support. 53 in uh, two thirds innings, 59 strikeouts, a little bit of a control issue, 26 walks. Frambra Valdez, uh, who's on the DL, remember promising young pitcher for the Astros, It's only had four innings this year. Um, so really his first start of the year, uh, in those four innings, four strikeouts, two walks and one home run allowed. He gave up, uh, uh, two runs, uh, in those four innings excuse me, one run in those four innings for an ERA of 2.25. So not enough sample size yet on Valdez Astros open 140 up to 150 now. Total in minute made of 8.5.
6: Yeah, a little bit of a concern for me right now with the Boston offense. In their last three games, they've lost two of those. They've only managed a high watermark as three runs. I mean, they put up six runs in the last two, uh, three games. So, got to get the offense going. But I like the way Pavetta has pitched. You mentioned it, Valdez, not enough of a sample size. I'd look at the Red Sox here at a plus 130. I know you said Houston's trending in the right direction. I think they've won three or four in a row. But I still like uh, Boston here, who, by the way, has a... I know this doesn't mean anything, but they're two games better overall than uh, Houston is. I don't think a lot of people would have thought the Sox would have played this well uh, coming into the season at this point.
5: So Pavetta's last start was at home uh, in Fenway against the Braves and Drew Smiley. I was going to pitch it again on the same yeah. night, right in the rotation. He got down 3 to nothing in that game, but they rallied. They hit several home runs off Smiley, and the Red Sox won a, a range-shortened game. there, something like 6-4, to four, so... It's interesting. I can't pull the trigger on Pavetta because he wasn't sharp that night, and I, th- I don't think he's been that good. He's just got a lot of run support. want to touch on one more game. This was a game that you played last night unsuccessfully. Cardinals at Dodgers. We see Carlos Martinez going for the cards. 3 and 4 2 ERA, 53 in the third innings, 30 strikeouts against 16 walks. I guess Walker Buehler, who's been very solid. Walker Buehler, not a lot of decisions, though. I mean, he hasn't missed any turns in the rotation. 3-0, 64 in the third innings, 62 strikeouts. Only eleven walks. He has given up nine home runs. The ERA of two six six and a whip below one. Huge price here on the Dodgers. Two twenty now up to two forty. If you're interested in the run line, you still need to lay either a dollar fifteen or a dollar twenty.
6: Yeah, but again, the run line was the right move yesterday. Dodgers mm-hmm. don't win the game, so you don't get sacked for two dollars. This one you come back with the run line here, minus one fourteen. Uh, you talked about uh, Walker Bueller Last uh, three starts, 20 innings pitched, just two earned runs. Carlos Martinez is a guy that for the last couple of years has just not been the same pitcher he was a few years ago. I think it's a good spot to take Walker in the run line.
5: All right, when we come back after the break, we'll have the Palm Readers playbook. Only a couple of plays. Usually I have about a half dozen on a Wednesday, and we'll see where Amal is going in Paris. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, and Lombardi Line with VSIN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got The Hardwood Handicappers brought to you by JVT, Long Shots with Brady Cannon, Gone Racing, and The Ron Flatter Racing Pod. We weren't good enough to make the read. Uh, our show. I mean, so I technically we're included, but I think any show reads this. They are all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get all your podcasts. You know the podcast I really love? I love our man Michael Lombardi, and we appeared on his show in the weekends during the football season with that GM shuffle with, with your guy, Adnan verk uh, I've appeared on there a couple times, but that's, that's one of the, my must-listen-to podcasts.
6: I'm going to take your word for it. I'm not a podcast guy.
5: Well, they're convenient. I mean, they're easy to listen. You don't have, you know, you, you get it whenever you're on demand.
6: <laughs> okay, well, you know, they're not on demand for me.
5: All right. Now, normally on a uh, normally on a, any given day, I have more plays than Amal, as he's the more, um, should I say, disciplined better, right, as you would say. Um, well, I mean. You, but today you, you, you have more plays than I do. so well, I'm that gonna, includes the French Open. Well, it includes, but that's part of it. I mean, people are tuning in. They tune in to get Gil's picks. And they're tuning in to get your picks as well. Uh let's start with the playbook today. I talked about this in behind the bets. Canadian Jets first period under. Both these goalies are in stroke, Hellebuck and, and Price. Price one goal in seven games in the first period against Toronto. I think this game comes out the same way. The Canadians want to keep the games close, find a spot to get a lead and put the pressure on the other team. I'm sure there'll be a whiteout in Manitoba tonight for this game. They'll be very excited to somehow have gotten home ice in the uh, finals of the North. And the North <laughs> Division, all, which was the highest scoring division by far this year, has played the lowest scoring series. So uh, let's hope that trend continues. This game now is underway. It's in the bottom of the first. I give out the Nilsson Lamette here in this game. I uh, I took him plus 107 in the first five against the Cubs. And I think this guy just has such great stuff, especially the first time through the lineup. Now the people say, oh, the game already started. Well, you can still bet it in game first five. Or... If you're a VSIN if you're a subscriber for that low monthly rate, that you know Bill eighty charges, what is twenty dollars a month? You get that daily Best Bets email. So it's everybody's Best Bets all day long, all of the hosts as well as the guests on the program that day. So if there's any games that go off before we go on the air, which of course is two in the East and eleven in the West, you can check out both Amal all and I's plays on the daily email. Now, I want to give you plenty of time to get to the Amal in segment.
6: Yeah, I got a few plays here today, actually five in total. Let's start Mm -hmm. with the National Hockey League tonight. Love Colorado. As I mentioned earlier at home, the Avalanche minus 180 price now up to minus 190. I disagree with you a little bit. I take this one up to two dollars. I'd also probably take a shot at the puck line as well. Colorado's just flying right now. Again, I mentioned it 27 to eight. They've outscored their opponents so far in the postseason in five games. You know, what's not gotten talked about enough is how well they've played defensively. Grubauer's had seven shutouts this year during the regular season. He's been tremendous as well for this team. And then Winnipeg, I think Canadians are going to win this series. But, Mike, I think this is a great spot for Winnipeg. Montreal just came off of a seven-game taxing series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now you've got to turn around and play in 48 hours against a Winnipeg team that's rested, that faced a much more challenging offense in Dreisaitl and McDavid. I think this is going to be a good opportunity for the Jets here. I think the Jets win this game, but I still think Montreal pulls it out in six games. We'll see if that comes to fruition. So I'm going with the Jets tonight, minus 140. Now we go across the pond, nine hours ahead from Las Vegas uh, in terms of the French Open. Three matches going all involving Americans. I didn't even realize this until I looked up at the graphic. Jen Brady tomorrow. She goes. She's a minus one sixty four favorite uh, in this matchup. And I'm just trying to pull up the matches in front of me here. I forgot off the top of my head who she's taking on. But uh, Mike, when you look at it, to me, some of these players, this is where you can make some good money. I- I'm telling you, tennis. They have some of the most skewed lines. I don't know where they get some of these lines, and, and they're so far off. Uh, she's going to Jen Brady is going to be going up against uh, Fina Ferrero uh, from France. Girl does not have a tremendous amount of power. Barely eked out against the Thai, uh, Chinese Taipei player in the first round in a tight third set there. I like Brady in this one. Too much of a server, too much power here. And then Sophia, Sophia Kennan, uh, former Grand Slam champion, French Open finalist uh, last year, runner-up, lost to Magdala, uh, Excuse me to uh, Iga Fiatek. I like her in this one, minus 278. She's going up against Haley Baptiste. I remember Kennan has struggled a little bit this year, but she's starting to find herself, made a coaching change. She fired her dad, who was her coach, I think she'll be on track here. I like her at this price. I thought both of these should have been further up in terms of pricing. I think Kenneth should probably be closer to three fifty dollars to $4.00, and Brady, should, in my opinion, should be about two seventy-five dollars
5: to $3.00. Is that a cheaper price on Brady because she's playing a French player, playing in their home soil?
6: No, I, I just think that they're giving the fact that Pharoah's a little bit more of a clay quarter than Brady too much credit. At the end of the day, though, the talent and the power, we saw it with two dogs today with Madison Keyes and Danielle Collins, both Americans, just absolutely dismantling their respective opponents as plus-money Dogs, And then the final one is a young American named Ann Lee. Uh, she's an up-and-coming player, taking on Alina Spitalina. I think this is a perfect matchup against a top-ten player. Spitalina is tremendous, gets every ball back, but doesn't have the type of power. I think Ann Lee's power, if you haven't seen her play, will surprise you. I don't know if she's going to be able to pull this out, but she's plus 275. And this, to me, is the ideal type of matchup for someone like her she's going to be able to play with Svidalina. is not going to run her off the court, but I think Lee's power will present some challenges. And when you look at Svidalina outside the ATP or WTA Tour Finals a few years ago in Singapore, she really struggles at the majors with these power players. And I think that's where Ann Lee's got a great opportunity here at plus 275 to pull the upset. I like that big plus price here.
5: You have your big... Your big play of them all on the men's side is the future play and Nadal Rafa, to yeah. win it. Rafa to win it. How about on the women's side of the draw? Did you look at any futures?
6: Yeah, Ash Barty at 5-1. to one. I know everybody likes Igor Swiatek, but remember last year, Barty wasn't there. Barty's a more complete player. She's beaten Swiatek a few times. Uh, she is It's just a tremendous player, all-surface player, great server. Doesn't have some of the power that you'd see out of a Serena or a Sabalenka, or I just talked about with Ann Lee, but really can get it done with finesse, can play any type of game. I think she's going to be really dangerous here at the Major. Uh, You expected her, at least I expected her to do better than she did at the Australian Open. A good opportunity for her to rebound here on the clay courts at the French Open. Remember, in 2019, she won the French Open title. So this is not an unfamiliar uh, territory for her.
5: I want to ask about this three seed because I don't know the name. Sabalenka? Yeah, Ariana Sabalenka from Belarus. Um, Tell me about her. Six
6: feet tall, probably the biggest hitter on the women's tour outside of Madison Keys. A little bit inconsistent. She has a tendency, Mike, on second serves to go for it. You wind up in some double falls and some risky play at times. But really a dangerous player. She just hasn't put it together at the majors, and I think because she has not had added finesse to her game. If she can do that, she becomes extremely dangerous. Was Barty the
5: favorite at 5-1 to one in this no, draw? No, Sviatek. Sviatek is the defending at, champion. Uh, two and a
6: half, 3-1. But you know what? To me, she's a great player, and she does extremely well on the clay. We saw her in Rome take care of business against uh, uh, Pliskova 6-0, 6-0. But I still think that Barty's very dangerous, and you're getting better odds.
5: Serena won today. Any shot for her? I just don't think she's going to be able to do
6: it. I think Father Time is catching up with her. She barely got by Boozerscu in a third set. She was dominant in, but it took three sets to get there.
5: Is the French the worst of her four Grand Slams? Yeah, when you historically. get her, yeah, historically,
6: yeah, historically, absolutely. When you get her on uh, the grass courts or the hard courts yeah. of the U.S. Open, she's dominant.
5: All right, coming up next, we'll have Darren Banks in studio, former Bruin. We'll see if he still likes the Bruins to win the Stanley Cup, or is he going to switch over to the Avalanche? That's next on the Nuts.
6: Good job. On that,
1: whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling With Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast.
6: Of bets, daily specials, odds boost, and the largest offer of live in play options. Bet River Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet River's offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one time playthrough. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
5: Back into the nuts, I'm Mike Palm. On my left is Amal Shaw. On my right... Darren Banks, former Boston Bruin, played in the NHL long career in hockey, and now he's an executive host here at Circa the D and Golden Gate. Banksy, I want to start off um, with the series in the North. You said before, uh, and when Toronto was up three-one, that you liked Winnipeg to come out of the North. Are you happy that Montreal knocked off Toronto, and now you have to lay a dollar forty with the Jets, where you probably could have got plus maybe one fifty with with Winnipeg against Toronto.
7: Uh, I'm excited to see uh, Montreal get in. Uh, first of all, because most people in Canada, I would say more than 50% of them, were probably going for Toronto. And that Montreal's now in, you know, I'm just like always putting a dagger in the, in the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know. But Winnipeg, you know, my buddy coaching a team, Hellbuck in that, I think uh, Montreal's going to have a tough time beating them
5: you think this will be a low-scoring series, Banksy? You know, the North was the highest-scoring division of the four by far, but in the playoffs so far, it's been the lowest-scoring division.
7: Yeah, but I think Winnipeg will score a few more goals. I don't know if though these overs are going to come over, you know, five and a half most of the games. Uh, there's, these first periods have been really low-scoring, which I'm really surprised. I thought there'd be a lot more goals, but uh, it's a goaltending, you know. and I mean, if you look at the goalies that are up for the Vesna, Fleury, Grubauer, and Vasilevsky, I mean... They're the, the standards to their team. You know, that's how their their teams roll right now. I want to
5: follow up a more. Rob Moore said Andre Vasilevsky is the best goaltender on the planet right now. Do you disagree?
7: He's very good. I watched him last night, and they put the you know the camera right up to his eyes, and he looks like he's possessed. With, you know, <laughs> looking at the puck, you know, he's just watching it play. He's so glued on it. But Grubar, I mean, the guy is so steady. You don't see him make a lot of mistakes, and he's very calm in that. He's not hopping all over the place. He's uh, real calm in that.
6: I want to ask you a few things. First of all, I appreciate you uh, accompanying us to the hockey game because I know it was a last-minute adjustment for you and your schedule. But the reason why I say that, there's nothing better than sitting in an NHL game with a former NHL player. And Mike, Darren is sitting there. I'm not going to say the player, but he's sitting there telling me, watch this player, this is what he's going to do. It was unbelievable how many times it came to fruition uh, on this player's mistakes, what he was able to point out. I want to go back to this Winnipeg-Montreal series. I love Winnipeg in game one tonight. I disagree with you, though. I think Montreal is going to win it because their defense. I love the way Carey Price has played. For me, though, in game one, this is similar to the situation we saw with VGK versus Colorado. Seven-game series, taxing, emotional series. You're at home, rested, ready to go. Hellebuck was tremendous. Now you're not going to play an offense that's as good as Edmonton was. I think it's a great chance tonight at minus 144 for the Jets.
7: The Jets are definitely going to win, yeah. the, and they're going to win the series. <laughs> <laughs> There's no argument there at all. I mean, you know, I hear people go, oh, the seven-game series. No, no, no. Seven-game series just means you're more pumped up than the other guys. The other guys sitting at home waiting for you to play, yeah, they're more rested, but these guys, unless you're injured, yeah. they're fine. You know, it's uh, you're pumped up. The seven-game series, you're excited, you're ready to play the next one. Those seven games don't mean anything. I love the way Hellebuck
6: has played overall. Uh, he's been tremendous in terms of the uh, possibility for the Jets. There, want to shift back to this Carolina series from yesterday, which you referenced a minute ago. We see now Carolina trailing two games to um, two games to none. They've got to go back to Tampa. I don't know how they come out of this. They've played well enough to win both games. But it just seems like that experience, the talent of Tampa has been the difference. They get the goals when the opportunity presents itself when necessary. We see uh, Carolina on the power play just not able to get the type of looks that you would want from an elite-level team. I'm not taking anything away from Brendan Moore's team, but you're just running into a team. Mike and I talked about it yesterday. Probably been the best team in the NHL over the last seven years.
7: Yeah, I mean, they're they're very well experienced. I mean, look at both games. They're 2-1 games, right? Yeah. Um, Not high-scoring games. You expect Tampa to score more goals. They're not scoring on their power play, which is a big difference. And Carolina, they're just, you know, they're trying everything they can do. They're just not enough. And their goaltending is keeping them in the game. I don't think Carolina, they might steal a game in in Tampa, but Tampa Bay's going to beat them overall.
6: Mike, game number three, I was shocked to see the total still five and a half.
5: I don't disagree with that. I mean, think of your Carolina last night. You're halfway through the second period. You're down one nothing. And Tampa only had eight shots on goal through half the game, right? I mean, you're doing everything you can. You're out shooting them three to one. You're just not getting the pucks in the net.
7: Yeah, they're not. They're not getting any goals in this five and a half. I'm, you would think they'd be flying over these, but Tampa Bay's just doing what they got to do to win. You know, and they're they're getting it deep, going in deep, forechecking, trying to keep them to the outside keep the shots the outside, and then block them away from the net after that.
5: All right, let's let's get to it. Knights and and in, in Colorado, I think a lot of people, maybe outside of of, of Vegas, were shocked at that performance on Monday's, just such a thorough domination and how fast Colorado looked but if you know we've been playing them and watched them even last year they they came here and beat us 6-1 on the holiday and that what do the knights have to do to slow down this team they five playoff games they haven't been tested really yet i mean they, these games haven't been commited, uh competitive to a most point colorado's won 10 in a row going back to the regular season what are the knights going to have to do to win four games in this series
7: first of all you got to you got to check they're just not checking if too many guys are passengers on the ice out there, as I call them, <laughs> where they're not finishing checks and hitting, and you know, let that Graves guy run around and hits you, and Martin. no one does nothing for 10 minutes. You know, to take you that long for something to happen, um, you've got a forecheck. check and you know, hopefully Flurry's back in that way, which I assume he will be, but um, you just got to see the speed that they have on their team. And if a guy does something to a player on your team, and I don't care if who it is, I don't care if it's Tuck out there, March Reeves, whoever you got to grab a guy and throttle him sometimes, just to show that you will show up. Then Colorado's done it. Their captain's done it, and he's not a tough guy, but he's stood up for his teammates and made you know made the other team accountable. And I think that's what Vegas has got to do tonight.
6: You know, Mike Darren. Uh, to me, the one thing that hasn't gotten enough talk, and you t- briefly touched upon it, is Grubars' performance. Seven shutouts during the regular season, 1.95 goals against. We look at the offense, and we're enamored by those guys: McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, what they can do. McCarr has been tremendous on the back, but Grubauer, to me, is a guy that can carry a team. It's just he has an elite-level of offense in front of him.
7: Yeah, I mean, every Stanley Cup is won with great goaltending, yeah. and they're getting it out of him. And if he can continue, it's going to be hard to beat him. You know, and I was looking at the stats today with all these 18s playing, and I just realized today that now Colorado or Vegas is going to play the Canadian division. Before, I thought they were going to play the Bruins division, but the way they get reseeded with the highest team – they're going to play the Canadian division, which should be kind of interesting to see what happens with these Canadian teams if they play at home or if they play on the road.
5: Yeah, and I want to ask this question, and this is what I've been thinking about. Is the only way the Avalanche don't win the title is if Grubauer gets hurt? Because they don't have a lot of depth, I think, at the goaltending, but there's a big drop-off.
7: Yeah, I think that's the only way, and if they get, you know, they still haven't had Byron back yet. He's another young defenseman who we haven't even spoke about because he hasn't played a game yet, but... Great player. I mean, they're just just—they're an amazing team. And then it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Bruins in Tampa.
6: You mentioned the Bruins. So let's get to them real quick. I was a little bit disappointed in terms of their performance on the penalty kill against New York. But I don't believe the Islanders in a five-on-five situation can beat Boston. If the Bruins stay out of the penalty box, I just don't think it doesn't matter if it goes to overtime or how many periods it is. Boston is not losing to the Islanders. I feel like their defense is good enough, whether they're facing Tampa, Colorado, whomever it may be. Since the trade deadline, they've had the best defense in the National Hockey League. I don't think they're getting enough credit for what they do defensively.
7: Yeah, they they play very well defensively. They take some dumb penalties sometimes, yeah. and that's what costs them sometimes. But the Islanders, they're not going to score six goals in a game. Yeah. I mean, they've got some players that could, you know, put the puck in the net, but they don't shoot that often. So, you know... Boston should dominate them. I was surprised. You know, they came back and tied the game up, and I thought maybe Bruins would, have, you know, a bad bounce and a guy got a breakaway, right? So, so be, but uh, now they're going back to the island and playing, and Islanders fans will be pretty pumped up, but I can't see the Bruins losing to them. Will you bet the Bruins in both
5: games on Long Island?
7: Uh, every game. Yeah.
6: <laughs> well, look, I, I look back at it. I was surprised the Islanders squandered a 3 1 lead. They wind up in overtime. But to me, if you've got to rely on power play opportunities in the postseason, I don't think you're going too far. And I love Trotts and what he's done defensively with that team. I just don't know. You know, missing Anders Lee impacts them a bit. But Boston defensively is so good. What is it that they do defensively? Because against Washington, that's an elite offensive team. They negated them completely outside of the power play.
7: Yeah, they, their defense moved the puck. And that's the key. You know, moving, getting Chara out of there yeah. was a guy that was slowing things down. They get the puck and they move up. And, and those, some of those D jump in McAvoy, they jump into the play right away. You know, it's almost like they have four forwards on the ice, but uh, they don't waste too much time in their own zone. They get out of their zone as quick as possible. Thanks.
5: And when we look at the current Stanley Cup uh, odds, what, what prices you can get right now adjusted throughout the course of the playoffs, and we see Colorado is the favorite, like plus 135. Tampa's the second choice. The Bruins still 5-1. to one. You told us last week, I asked you, who's going to win the Cup? You said the Boston Bruins. Is that enough of a price for you to take 5-1 to one on the Bruins right now?
7: I'm still willing to throw some money on them, but I still think your Stanley Cup champions probably the Avalanche.
6: Now, this price has dropped tremendously now, as you alluded to, Mike. Um, to me, though, I look at you know these Boston teams, and this may you may not agree with this. It reminds me a little bit of the Kings. Not a great offensive team, but they had the goaltending and they had the defense. But Boston's you know that front line up there, Bergeron, Pasternak, and of course, Marshawn are unbelievable. I think they have the skill level. Just my, my concern, you alluded to it. Can this team, I, I saw some bad, bad penalties against Washington. Those are regular season penalties they were taking against the Capitals.
7: Yeah, and the refereeing sometimes gets tightened up or loosened up. You know, you don't okay. know which way they're going to go sometimes. And the Bruins just got to stay out of the box. I mean, 5 on 5 they're one of the best teams out there. And if their power plays clicking, they're hard to stop. They've got like a 1A, 1B, you know, first line and second line. So, and Taylor Hall could be a big... Big, big either help or it's going to kill him if he plays well. Real quickly, Banks, we got about
5: 20 seconds. Total tonight in the Avalanche uh, Knights game is 5.5. You like it over? I like it over. I like. I think you got to play all these Colorado games over. They score four goals in every game themselves. I mean, and and, and <laughs> like Amal says, they're just tapping. Have to go, they're so fast, they're just tapping. In. Goalies really don't have a shot. Thanks for joining us in studio again. We really appreciate it every Wednesday, Banksy. Full slate in the NBA tonight, four games, two NHL games, and Lou Gehrig Day in baseball. Good luck with all your bets. Stay tuned to v Betting Across America is next.